Doing great. And then across the booth, we have Mitchell Howell. Mitch, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Great to hear. And Blaze Lauer joining us today. Doing great. Now, today's edition of Cheap Seats is the Super Bowl edition. Now, this is the first episode after the Super Bowl. And in our previous episode, we made all of our predictions for the Super Bowl. And I think we had a clean sweep, right? We all picked the Chiefs. I yeah. did, yes. Now, no. it did not look great at the beginning. You did not? No, I was a San he Francisco was, guy. He was a 49ers guy. But so if you look corrected. back at the if you look back at the tape, I wasn't also here. But oh. we talked about it. We had a we had a talk. Yeah. Talk. So on the podcast, we were four for four on the pick, yeah. and it did not look promising early. Um, they defeat the 49ers 31 to 20. But if you look at that final score, it is a bit misleading because the Chiefs were down what 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, I believe, to the 49ers, and the start of that game. The 49ers established that they were going to be in this game in the first quarter. Um, their defense was playing really well, which is what we expected coming into the game. But their offense was making you know, pretty good plays, and they were maintaining drives, which is crucial in keeping Patrick Mahomes and that electric offense off the field. But what was your guys' first impression You know, watching this? I mean, obviously we're all watching the game, but that first quarter, that first half, what were you feeling like? Is this Chiefs team really about to go down? Um, I thought that the 49ers obviously came out and, and, and did something that everyone was expecting them to do. Um, but for me, uh, the the whole game, there was this feeling of like unease that like the the Chiefs were still there, like no matter how lo how big the the lead stretched, that the Chiefs were gonna be, yeah, you know, no matter what. So I, and I kind of felt that, and I think the Chiefs kept their 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 poise their whole the whole game and and really just did what they do best. And you know, I think it was underrated, but I think they were a little bit better coming from behind, and they might have even known that. And I know they didn't try to get behind, but they know that they're good coming from behind. Yeah, and obviously the game plan isn't to go down 10, 20 points in all these playoff games, especially because all these great teams like, you know, the Titans who brought down the dynasty possibly of the Patriots and then go on to beat that um, insanely talented Baltimore team and then to move on to this 49ers defense who is supposed to have one of the best – or 40, 49ers team, excuse me, that is supposed to have one of the best defenses in modern NFL history. And to get down early like that, I personally had previously said, like, yes, they have gotten down against these other teams, but against this 49ers defense, I didn't think they were going to be able to overcome an early deficit like that just because of how suffocating that San Francisco defense was. But they proved me and a lot of other people wrong because Patrick Mahomes had quite the day with 286 yards, two passing touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. And that was one point of the game for me that the 49ers needed to capitalize on because, the, first of all, the longer you can keep Patrick Mahomes and that Andy Reid play-called offense off the field – the better chance you have at winning the game. And also, they're obviously not going to be scoring points if your offense is on the field. And then the other part of that, the other side of that, is keeping your defense fresh, keeping your defense off the field, so when they have those series, they're ready to go, and they're ready to go uh, dial up some good plays against that offense. So that was one thing for me. I don't think they capitalized on that kind of stuff. You know, for me, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mahomes threw the interceptions at the beginning of the game. He did. So that's how they started to go down. You know, so they were right there. But, you know, uh, just a couple of miscues. But then, you know, Jimmy G ended up throwing his interceptions at the end of the game. Oh, he was terrible. So it kind of flipped script for them. So Yeah, I, I mean, Jimmy G late in the game. I mean, I understand that he's not been at that position, obviously. And, I mean, Patrick Mahomes hasn't either. But Patrick Mahomes is used to being in the spotlight and shining in big games. And Jimmy's still pretty young. But uh, make those throws late in the game – I mean, I don't want to put the whole game onto one person's hands, but a quarterback's got to be able to step up and make plays like that, and he just couldn't get it done at the end. Like, I think Stephen A. even touched on that. Like, he just couldn't get it done. And at the end of the day, that's what a quarterback needs to be able to do, and he just couldn't. So that's, I think, why the, 
it ended how it did. And you talk about how important those possessions are. Obviously, the Chiefs are down early, and there's you know there's no surprise that that's when Patrick Mahomes was turning over the ball, and when the San Francisco 49ers were struggling, that's when Jimmy G was turning over the ball. And that's kind of that matchup that Kansas City wanted. They're thinking that if we can take away this run game, we're going to have quarterback versus quarterback. And I think all of us know who wins in that battle, mm-hmm. and we found out. Because Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 champs are the Kansas City Chiefs because of that right there. Uh, the Kansas City defense holding the 49ers running backs to only 86 combined yards. So, And I was very impressed with some of the 49ers play calling offensively. Um, Kyle Shanahan and that staff. I was pretty impressed. Debo Samuel on the outside. Wide, he's a wide receiver, so he's not included in that stat. Um, but he got a couple carries. Obviously, Coleman and the other backs and that, that stable of backs over in San Francisco, they got some good touches. But... San Fran- or, um, excuse me, Kansas City really held them to a one-dimensional offense, yep. and when you force them to throw the ball around the field and get out of their comfort zone, we see that they can be really successful. It's a great formula for success for the Chiefs. Right, and I think you know taking down that, that part of that three-headed monster that they did have in the backfield was, it was definitely one of Kansas City's game plans going into that game, and they successfully did it. And like you said, that's, I think that was, it's a little underlooked because you know run game and defense, like that's really the playoffs. And I mean... It, people get away from it because, like, especially with teams like Kansas City, it's all about score, 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 and, like, how they can score so many points in six, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. But to be honest, like, a lot of those situations are is could I run the football and did I play defense all game up to that point? And I think that game kind of got away from that, and it was more just offense, which Kansas City tends to do when they play everyone. It's, yeah. it's a shootout. That's what they do. Yeah, and do you think that – that you kind of touched on it, the defense and the run game. Those are things in the playoffs and the postseason that people continually talk about um, from football 10 years ago to football now. They say to be successful in the playoffs, you need to have two things. You need to have a successful rushing offense, and you need to have a dominant suffocating defense because those two things supposedly travel well as opposed to the air raid style of offense that the mm-hmm. Kansas, City, uh, Kansas City runs. But do you think that with a team like this Kansas City Chiefs team who – their defense made plays when it mattered, and I think they really stepped up in the Super Bowl, and they're not getting enough credit. But another team, like the Baltimore Ravens, who their offense was so dynamic, centered around Lamar Jackson, and their defense was solid. Don't get me wrong, not mm-hmm. taking any credit away from them. Their defense made plays. But do you think that they're almost revolutionizing this, get away from this old saying of, you know, you need to have a rushing attack, you need to have a defense, this textbook list of things you need to have to go into the playoffs, and it's kind of breaking the mold a little bit, these couple teams that we've seen. Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens not having the playoff success that we expected, but going down the future, do you see more teams kind of transitioning to this Andy Reid typical offense? I think that it's kind of the way that football is going. I don't really think it's as much as, as, as what people are, you know, like – wanting out of football or like or like that's like that's all we want to do is just score like i don't think that's like everyone wants it's the offense tv networks like like, because it's entertaining right like it's built for the offense obviously we want to see people score and like that's how the people are becoming that's society now people want to see people score but football's football and it's never going to get away from the fact that if like honest to god i think that you know we might have a point where all 32 teams are just trying to score the most points all season Like, we might get to that. But at what point do we look back at football and say, hey, there's a reason why teams were winning games back then because they were playing good defense and running the ball. So I think it's like you can get as new school as you want, but football is all about the old school, and it's like that's what works, so why would you get away from it? Yeah. For me, what I noticed with the 49ers, I felt like I was watching the Titans-Ravens again. You know, they kind of – the Chiefs defense got them out of their typical, like, running style. So they 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 forced them to do something else. Right, they started forcing them to throw the ball and doing these, like, trick plays. Like, for me, I felt like I saw Debo Samuel with the ball every single play. Oh, yeah. He was all over the field. 
he was getting these jet sweeps in the backfield. You know, he had some. He had pretty good yards. He's had 53 rushing yards. But there were some other times when he did get like tackled in the backfield for like big losses, which mm-hmm. hurt him. So I just felt I just thought that was awkward. Like I didn't wasn't used to seeing them do that st- kind of stuff like that. So yeah, that's not definitely their mo, their game plan. But Debo Samuel, even though you said like he was taken down in the backfield a couple times on some big explosive plays for that Chiefs defense, he still comes away with the most rushing yards by a receiver in Super Bowl history. In addition to you know we didn't even mention five catches for forty yards. Like he had a solid game, and obviously being a rookie and coming into a role like that, coming into a prominent role on an up and coming team in the NFL that you know made this Super Bowl run. That's it's very impressive out of a guy like him, and um, we've seen he had a very successful year this year, and I'd be very interested to see um, as he progresses in the next couple of years of his career. But we talked, we touched a little bit earlier on Jimmy Garoppolo and that quarterback quarterback matchup between him and Patrick Mahomes, and obviously the chips are stacked in Mahomes' favor and Kansas City's favor just because of the talent and the arm and the feet and just about everything goes in Patrick Mahomes' favor. But Jimmy G didn't have a terrible stat line. 20 for 31 with 219 yards and a touchdown when you take away the two interceptions. I think you put those two interceptions, you take those out of the picture, this is a much different game. Obviously turnovers are a huge part of any football game, but for them, the 49ers, like you said earlier, it killed them. And so what do you think, do you attribute all of that to the Kansas City defense, getting them out of their comfort zone early? I think that that's definitely a big part of it. And, like, obviously that everyone has a game plan going into that game. And depending on how good you are, you know if that game plan doesn't work, what else you can, you're going to do or how you're going to improvise. That's what being a quarterback is. And obviously Jimmy G is not the best at that, but he's still real good at it. That's why he's in the position that he is. But I do think that, like, not only was it the defense – like stopping that run game early and then let's like San Francisco doesn't really have that same plan that they walked into the game with but it's also like once Jimmy G played pretty solid in the first half I mean yeah I, I no think he his, looked his, good his first half poised. was like yeah he's ready to go like he's Tom Brady's son like I was like I was like <laughs> San Francisco's gonna do it they're gonna do it but then, then I'm like then you get him into a little bit more uncomfortable situations and you miss a bad throw or you miss a couple bad throws and it's like you want to see how your your guy reacts yeah and it's not like he was like bad body language on the sideline or anything not but it's all, just yeah. it was just like almost like a choke he just couldn't get it done so it's like it's like probably a little bit because of what Kansas City was doing but their defense I mean was doing what they were doing all game pretty much they just kind of Jimmy G just kind of didn't do his thing at the end so I think it's a little bit of the quarterback getting in his head a little bit of the defense and a little bit of like play calls too like honestly yeah there are some like I know they both sides of the ball ran great plays all, all game but there were some questionable like I don't really like see where we're going with that like like, we'd be, like, double tight and be, like, third and long. And just, like, there were just some different things that they were trying that I yeah, different wouldn't, looks. Yeah, wouldn't normally yeah. agree with. Um, so, going into that game, I was saying, I was like, you know, the Kansas City offense is kind of like the unstoppable uh, object, right? And But they can't – or uh, the 49ers defense is like the immovable object. The unstoppable versus the unmovable. Yeah, great I was, matchup. Yeah, I was kind of, like, you know, like, looking into that. I was like, this is going to be an interesting game. And clearly, you know, like the the unstoppable uh, or the unmovable object, the 49ers defense was obviously putting the hurt on for Patrick Mahomes for a little bit in the game. He's, you know, as, you know, throwing some like pretty questionable throws. He yeah. was, you know, I don't know. It's just not you know, usual like, Patrick he, Mahomes. Yeah, he was. He looked like he was on edge a little bit, and you know, as he should be, he's playing in the Super Bowl. But you know, the cool that he's had for the whole entire season kind of just dropped at that moment. But then as the game went on, he started to get used to it. You know, started playing a little bit better. That's when he started to really shine, and I feel like. He works a little bit better under 
time pressure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Definitely. And I think that's one of the main things that separates a Patrick Mahomes from a Jimmy Garoppolo, the good to the great, if you will, is that Jimmy Garoppolo, you talk about how much time these teams have to prepare for the Super Bowl. They have a long period of time. So you have the different plays, the different looks that you're seeing because obviously the other team has just as much time to study the film on you, to get your best looks, to know what you're best at, and to prepare for that. So I think... Part of it, you kind of got you kind of got too with the offensive scheme, not only but the overall scheme of the team is that when Jimmy Garoppolo can stay on schedule and when he can move at a good pay, at a controlled pace and he's you know he's sticking to the game plan, he's making the right calls and he can you know he reads the field and he's a good quarterback. But when things get off the schedule and he has to react, that's where Patrick Mahomes right. excels. Because he's great on schedule, and he when you do not want to leave Patrick Mahomes on schedule. Because when you leave him on schedule, and he's you know his team's hitting on all cylinders, that's a dangerous offense, like we've talked about. But the best Patrick Mahomes potentially is when things don't go to plan, and he has to make plays with his feet, with his arm, with his head, most importantly, right? right? And so he can do all three of those things, and that's what separates him from a Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's that's kind of what I was going to touch on, pretty much the same thing. And like I like what Derek said. I like how he said how Patrick Mahomes shines. Yeah, I mean. I think we've all known since Patrick Mahomes has, you know, made a name for himself that, like, he can stand out. Like, he makes plays that stand out. He, ma- he wins games that stand he's out. He's used to the stage. Right. And he's, like, better than everyone else at that his age. So, Patrick Mahomes, I'm saying it right now, obviously we all can agree that this dude's got a future. Like, yeah, he's of gonna course. Be, he's going to be NFL. Still very the, the young. The NFL's next quarterback. That's just how it works. Like, he's built for that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is you don't get that from every quarterback. And so it's like – you know, I've been, we've we've talked about it before the Super Bowl. How I always say, like your quarterback is pretty much your team, and mm-hmm. it's like if your quarterback's going to go into the, the toughest game situation that you've been in all season, and he's going to shine out of it because that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He shines. Like you know, you're going to get that from it's him. It's a quarterback-driven no league, right? You're going to, you know what I'm saying. So, Fair. but I'm saying like Jimmy Garoppolo, they had so much more working against them because they got to win just without just their quarterback, if that makes sense. So then you shut down the run game. And it's like Jimmy Garoppolo isn't Jimmy Garoppolo anymore because he doesn't have everyone else around him. Patrick Mahomes shines like a star. He's by himself. You know what I'm saying? He's always going to ball out. But Jimmy Garoppolo needs those pieces until he becomes either good enough or, you know, has like enough firepower or something, something different. I don't know if you could say Mahomes is by himself. Yeah. I mean, they're all right. I'm saying he can do it by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he can just like do his thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, oh, I'm not taking anything away no, from him of course, with who's on the team. Trust me, that's that's kind of interesting. And kind of to segue into the next thing I want to talk about is that when you ask people like that, maybe don't pay as much attention to football or don't pay as much attention to the National Football League, and you ask about the Chiefs, who do they think of immediately? Patrick that's Mahomes, right. because not only is the NFL a quarterback-driven league and it's a quarterback-driven system, but it's because like. The team, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have so many offensive weapons. You look at Watkins, you look at um, Kelsey, you look at Hardman. There's so Hill. many offensive weapons. Yeah, Hill, of course. How could I even yeah. forget? They have so many weapons across the roster, but yet everyone comes back to Patrick Mahomes because that's who the offense runs through. Mm-hmm. And so the most impressive thing for me, besides breaking the Madden curse, can we just take a second that right there? Impressive. That is very impressive. That is impressive. That's as a did feat he, in itself. Did they I break mean, the Madden curse, or did the 49ers lose to the Drake curse? They, that is a double. It was a very loaded game. <laughs> Dang, but I didn't even think about coming that. coming back to <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 
one of the most surprising things for me is he's able to maintain that spotlight ahead of all these other offensively talented, and not to mention there are some big names on that defense with Teron Matthew and Clifford, you know other names on that defense, but he's able to just maintain this this uh, this stage, if you will, above all these other players, and even Jimmy Garoppolo and, and his team, you know, sometimes you'd see like the matchup pictures, and it'd be like Richard Sherman and Patrick yeah. Mahomes, like the bigger names on his team, or Bosa, you know, and so when it's a quarterback-driven league and your quarterback isn't your most prominent player, I think that spells problems, not only in the postseason, but just in games in general. But do you guys agree with me on that? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at the Super Bowl and looking almost into next year, what, are the, what is the future for the San Francisco 49ers? What is the future for the Kansas City Chiefs? You obviously said that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a bright future ahead of him, which we can all agree on. But as a team, what do the Kansas City Chiefs do moving forward from this year? What do they do to continue to build? I think they just start adding more pieces to their defense, you know, because their yeah. offense is so good. Got to keep the defense it's up almost, with that. Yeah, it's almost about maintaining yeah. their offense. And I know last year, like, everybody's making fun of their defense, how they, they won games where they gave up, like, 50 every the game. shootouts, yeah. Especially, like, except that, uh, that Rams-Chiefs game. That was mm-hmm. a big one. So just uh, improving their defense probably what they're probably what they'll do. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, what about from the 49ers side of the ball? Uh, obviously, their defensive side was very stout and a great defensive uh, defense, but do they stick with Jimmy G? Is Jimmy G the man in San Francisco? Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. They paid him a lot of money to yeah. be there. so um, They can't just cut him And one loose. thing I noticed in the game is I felt, I don't know if it was true or not, but I felt like they didn't spread the ball around enough, you know? A lot of Debo Samuel and yeah. not very much running backs. Like, George Kittle did, did what he did. I mean, so they probably, and they have Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, who we haven't even talked about yeah. yet. Yeah, he really has. So they just yeah. need some more Because he didn't offensive. have a large impact, so yeah. it's, he hasn't been really a talking just, point. Yeah, that's true. I and, mean, they just didn't use their weapons right. No, I mean, I mean that's, that's a whole other yeah. thing. It's like how Kansas City used their weapons compared, and does that go to back to the quarterback thing? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, every everything that we're kind of talking about in here kind of does run back to the quarterback, and is kind of sad to think about that. But I guess, to, in my opinion, the game was kind of decided. If you think about it like this, like logically, the game was decided before they stepped on the field. Yeah, that's not a bad point. I think that part of it is that San Francisco got away from their game very quickly, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the Kansas City Chiefs were, you know, like Derek said, getting, you know, the 49ers defense was putting the hurt on them in the first half. But they didn't, they didn't deviate from the plan. They stuck with it. They trusted their quarterback, right, coming back to our main point of discussion today, it seems, and obviously came out with the victory. But 49ers get away from that run game, and it kind of leaves them, you know, lackluster on the other side of the ball. Um, but kind of going into our next section here, something that is not at all lackluster was the opening weekend of the XFL games. Now, the XFL Extreme Football League resurrected from, I want to say, the 1980s or 90s. Correct? Correct me 90s. if I'm wrong. 90s. I, believe, I believe it was in the 90s. 90s. So the XFL, thing. yeah, go ahead. I think the way they kick off the football is awesome. kind of awesome. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves that. Come we on. will get to that. But the XFL, it is right, composed right now of eight teams that are divided into two divisions. And I'll give you right now my first impressions of the XFL. It's football. It's free football. I'm sitting here. I'm going to watch football. Yeah. I'm going to thoroughly <laughs> yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. So for everyone who is, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the XFL, and rightfully so because they can Be improve. Be thankful. They can improve a lot upon a lot of things. But right now – it's football. It's not great football, but it's pretty good football. football. These guys are good athletes. We've seen you know, a couple names kind of stand out above the rest, and I think even though the production aspect of it is lacking in some areas, Very bad. Yeah. 
very bad. I think the quality <laughs> of football is better than what I was expecting, to be pretty frank. But I know I watched a couple games over the weekend. Um, how much of the games did you guys see, and what did you think? Um, I, I, I liked everything that you just said right there. I think that, yeah, like the – you can tell, like, the organization of the league isn't there, but I think that's what – I mean, we weren't around for the original XFL, but I've seen things. The XFL wasn't really the most organized, you know, like, clean. That, that's not what they're about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they're about giving good football. And they're about deviating from the NFL. Right. So anything they can do that separates them, whether it be the rules, like the kicking, or whether it be the different kind of production qualities, anything that can deviate them from the NFL that's going to, you know, engross their viewers – that is what separates them. I think that's really crucial to their development as a franchise. I think the the gist of what I got is that the XFL is different now than what it was in the nineties. Yeah. No, granted, I wasn't there to see it. But, you know, they <laughs> had like hard. they had the guys with like the different last names. Yeah, on that their was back. sick. That only for the first week. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, the now it year. seems like more just first like real football. Like when before it kind of just seemed like a game show kind of thing. You I know think what I mean? they've kind of found a happy medium between this, you know, extreme football league right. and the it's NFL of what, sophisticated, yeah, of what yeah. people are used to watching because it's hard to find that intricate balance yeah. of what people will watch and like starting to push people outside of their comfort zones. Right. And I think so far, XFL has done a pretty That's good a job of that. So I think it's a good balance because people are used to watching this cookie cutter football. That is the NFL. Same that is college football. Year, right. And yeah, this is the same, same rules, thing. Yes, sa- like yes, that's the exactly. other thing, which I'm sure we'll get to. But go on. 100. percent And I know I think it's because people are used to watching this brand and this style of football, and for a network to deviate away from that, I think it's really entertaining. But go ahead, and I'll let you kind of touch on some of the rules that are so, different. So honestly, first of all, the guys are running around trying to hurt people, which everyone <laughs> loves watching football. <laughs> everyone loves watching football when there's a little something, you know, inside all those guys. Number one, and number two, the refs aren't blowing their whistle after every stinking. I also Just noticed that. Like, yeah. like, like that was the best part was, of it. It was like I could watch football with the two timeouts. Don't have to sit there and watch all these stupid TV timeouts, and I can just watch football. And like it's so raw. It's you know, it's also, not like it's not all hidden behind all these all these TV cameras. It's just like there. You're when the players walk off the sideline and they're dropping f-bombs right you there. hear it you're right that's there. what it should be because that's football yeah that's like because that's how we look at football yeah, you know what the I'm referees saying? were going over like the reviews of certain plays or whatever they, i literally felt like i was like personally like on a level on the with field. them because yeah. you no, no just like on a personal level with them because they were like i don't know like is this the right call like what are we <laughs> they're like they literally had no they had no idea what they were doing and honestly like that made it more interesting you're like okay like they don't really know what they're doing you're like should they call this or that i don't know i just felt like you know like you felt like you were there. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because, like, after every scoring play, uh, the coach is interviewed. And you're sitting there, and you're like, sometimes it's just on the headset. And he's walking around. he got a camera guy by him. It's really unique. But part of the thing that makes the XFL unique are these new rules. So the first one, we kind of touched on it earlier, is the kickoff, where the guys are on, I want to say, the 30, 30 or 40-yard yeah. line, all the kickoff 40? team members. Yeah, maybe the 30 or 40. 35, I think. Okay, the 35. <laughs> and the kicker kicks off from the regular position. But the guys are not allowed to move until they catch the ball. Now, this obviously is reducing that, you know, 50-yard collision that are taking out because you think all the people that are on the kickoff team in the NFL are the people that don't get a lot of playing time, correct, mm-hmm. and the people that want to go out there and earn a spot. So they're sprinting down a million miles per hour at people, somebody, yeah, yeah. at people who are doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So when you take that out of football, I think it not only appeals to younger people trying to play football um, and the parents more so, um, but it's just it's entertaining. And you're right, it's different. Um, but another thing is the extra points. You can go for one point from the two-yard line. You can go for two points from the five-yard line. Or you can go for three points from the ten-yard line. There are no 
kicking extra points. And that was something that was very interesting to me because we saw a lot of one points, but I think as the season goes on and as the league develops more, we're going to see a little right. bit more deviation as coaches get more comfortable in their roles. Right. I mean, um, But that was another interesting rule to me. I mean, something about that has me feeling like that is a little bit playing around too much. Like, I understand you think they, so? I, I, I understand, like, for the fans, we love that. There's nothing. I'm there. You know, that's more oh, more points. It. More I points. Enjoy, yeah. What's more wrong with that? More scoring plays. But the other part of me is like, when this league is, you know, gonna try to keep going. For example. Yeah. Like, like that's something very unique and everything. But that's something that isn't football. Like you, you, it, it's you know different. what I'm saying? It's, it's different for sure. It, you it's either, not you know, like that kickoff. Like we could see that happening because kickoffs and like special teams are like the number one reason why people are getting hurt. Like yeah. had like problems with their heads and everything. Like so what I'm saying is something like a rule change I can see. But that kind of seems like you gotta have like at least a kicking option or like something is a little sh off to me. But I do like the fact that you can get three points and an extra point that's yeah. sick. Yeah. So like, it that's changes sick. it changes the dynamic of the yeah. games, the it's possessions, how it's much each different. possession means. Right. And you kinda touched on that, but I go back to our mold of football and you said it's different. Yeah. And like different from what you know, we expect from a football game, which maybe that will be stretched in the coming, you know, weeks, months, whatever, however long this league lasts, you know, mm -hmm. if, if it folds ultimately or not. But I think that's that's the beauty of the XFL is no one really knows. Right. And I think that is that in itself is, is so interesting to me and finding this balance of what people are allowed, like what they will allow themselves to watch before they're like, ah, this isn't this isn't football. Yeah. So now, I think that's you, super interesting. Do you think if the XFL continues to be as successful as it is so far, do you think in maybe two or three, four years that people will start, you know, I kind of want to watch the XFL over the NFL now. Do you Never think, over. Yeah, no, I don't, never I don't, over. Do you think, though, is there but, a possibility? But, but, but since they – Do you think that people will tend to watch the XFL over NCAA football more? Do you think – where you guys stand at? Where, well, what it's would a you higher prefer? level, but I mean, you could say it's yeah. a higher level. Is it like level? the minor so league of the but NFL? Check me out. They aren't at the same time. That yeah. is that's true. the that's thing true. about that's it. So true. I don't know if you can make the argument for like which one you'd rather watch. I think that's where I said in the beginning, just appreciate it that we get yeah. more football. We get more football. Like I mean, you know, obviously it's not that for the NFL. Love love of football, right? For the love so of football. It's just during football off season. Extended. Exactly. There's nothing it's wrong with that. football when there's like, not supposed to be football, yeah. which is beautiful. Yeah. It really is. And I, I can't complain. Kind of going back to what you're talking about, about, you know, the college, the NCAA level as opposed to, the, you know, the NFL level. And I think you, the XFL will never be above the NFL simply because the guys in the XFL want to go to the NFL. Yeah. And that's another great reason why the XFL is so good because it gives these guys a platform to play against other athletes that are obviously very good, um, just not good enough. You know what I mean? So when you can excel at that level, maybe an NFL GM takes a look and says, hey, you know, this guy, this guy let's give him a chance. That's all they need. Sometimes all the, those guys need is a chance. So I think that's really cool. But moving on, you talk about, you know, can this XFL, can this league stay around? We've seen the XFL collapse before, but we haven't, but the world has. And we've seen that more, more recently the AAF. Uh, mm -hmm. The football league, that right. professional which football league, like, which, which looked like it was going to last, honest, honestly. Yeah, the setup the was there. Yeah. For, for me, from my perspective, I thought it was set up pretty well, but that ultimately folded. So what is going to separate this XFL from other professional football leagues besides the NFL in the past? Well, first, I think, well, this week was the first week of the XFL, right? So there wasn't that many people at the games, I noticed, right? So people just had to get used to it. They had to get introduced to it. Yeah. So now that now that they see it <clears throat> and now that they see people talking about the how exciting it is and all this stuff maybe they'll get more interested in 
and people in the areas will start liking the teams and going to the games. Right. I yeah. mean, also for like me with certain sports, sorry, uh, for certain sports, you know, you have like a target market. Like for like for example, baseball is more like older folks. You know. Yeah. Like it's boomers. A, it's a, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true though. So, but like for the XFL, I think if it's gonna last, in my opinion. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta get everybody involved. Yeah, they gotta find. They gotta get the I mean younger. They got, they gotta find like some sort of connection between the older folk and the younger kids, you know, and somehow just mesh it together, you know, because like you know, I've heard some older, you know, people be like, ah, this, this is kind of stupid, but right. you hear the us oh, like the younger people, like, this is kind of cool actually, like you know, it's different, you, yeah. They're like, this has failed before. Why won't it fail again? And this is why they need to be like then let's get these people on board. They've seen us fail again. We probably have learned from our past mistakes, and we've tried to change it. So we should see you know, if they can get other people on board too. That's good I mean, I think it ultimately comes down to who's running it. I mean, yeah. I mean football is going to be football. So it's like, it, I mean, the, the public's obviously very uh, – Instrumental in keeping the league around. Not because, only that, yeah. but like they're, they're very picky with what they want to watch. Yeah. So yeah, it's like fair. people are going to watch it if it's good. So my thing is, is – Whoever's running it, if he can make it good and entertaining, you know, uh, people are going to watch it. It's not really like a certain demographic that they're looking for. It's more oh, so yeah. like it's more so like can they make it reputable to like what people are wanting to see from something that isn't the NFL but it's another football league. So it's like yeah. people have expectations, and and I think the other leagues that have tried didn't really match or meet those expectations, and that's why they didn't really keep going. I think the big difference between the the AAF and the XFL now is uh, the XFL has a lot of bigger names i guess you could say they have like old nfl coaches old college coaches yep uh, old college players stuff like that yeah. so you n- at least you know some of the people that are involved with it right and i'm not sure i'm not sure where the like the owners are coming from or the money i know what, that's why the aaf didn't last very long because i couldn't pay anybody and that's the tough part of it is there's if, a lot of yeah. money involved in but if they figure that out I'm pr- i think they have enough names that they could last a little bit longer you know they have pat mcafee on the side trey aikman you know a lot of people that you know so you'll feel yeah. comfortable watching the it. media personalities are a huge part of it and we saw that a couple um sideline reporters and other things have made their debuts but that's the one thing that i think is going to you know have longevity in this league is it's going to determine their longevity is the amount of big names and name recognition as we move towards playoff hockey and playoff baseball and those kind of you know those sports that draw a lot of attention media and otherwise but that's the one thing for me that if they can pick up another person like a Cardell Jones, quarterback for the D.C. Defenders, who looked great, actually, in the game. He got he, out of everything. He did. He but, get, and mean, it was just like if they can pick up one or two more guys like that, big names that people recognize from the college game or right. whatever, if they can pick up a couple more of those guys, need them. I think yeah. the XFL is here to stay, fellas. But, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today's Cheap Seek podca- Podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Kobe Manzo, and you have a splendid day.